What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to season two of Beats, Brews, and Buddies. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt. This is Jeremy Andrew Price. Uh, Mr. Price, on our beat today, we're going to talk about creating a space for music in a place that isn't the Roanoke Valley with our first regional guest, Andy Burnett, ladies and gentlemen. What up, Andy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Andy's got a little smirk on his face because I got real formal real quick yes. and it's been kind of prepared. slight, <laughs> slight shenanigans since we've, we've started. So this one might get out of hand. It might, it <laughs> might. Um, so what are we drinking? What's our brew today? Oh man, <coughs> I got this for Andy. He loved, first off, this man didn't drink at all for the longest time before I met him. Not a drop. And when he decided to start drinking, back when I was drinking beer a lot, I love some beer. Um, I wasn't there and I don't think I'm ever going to forgive him, but <laughs> one of his favorites is uh, any banana or banana based beer, banana uh, bread beer. So we got the Eagle Brewery banana bread beer. I don't have much information about it. That's okay. Our our one critic on the history of alcohol will be fine if we don't give it for one time. Well, it's let delicious. me just say a little something. It's my father. Fresh bananas <laughs> pack a whole bunch of aromas while rich malty hops deliver a serious fruity flavor. All perfectly balanced by a masterful blend. That was beautiful. Yeah. Short, sweet, to the point. This says Andy Burnett bio. Born and raised in Martinsville, Virginia, Andy has been playing music for most of his life. His obsession began at a very young age while watching Elvis movies with his mom. After seeing the king do his thing on TV, Andy decided that he wanted to do that. He began to dabble with guitar and drums when his cousins started taking lessons at a local music store, and he would go over to her house and beg her to show him what she had learned at her lessons. After learning a few things, he begged his parents for an electric guitar um, of his own so that he could pers begin pursuing his rock star dreams. His father came home one day with an old Washburn acoustic guitar and told Andy if he learned to play it that he would buy him an electric guitar, and so that's exactly what he did. And he is self-taught, so he's a self-taught musician until joining a band in the sixth grade. That decision would change his life forever. He started playing the trumpet, but ultimately ended up pulling double duty between percussion and baritone throughout the remainder of his high school career. He was an active member of all ensembles offered, marching band, jazz band, concert band, and or drumline, and even winter guard, with a heavy focus on the marching band side of things. To this day, Andy is still involved in marching arts, serving as the percussion director at Bassett High School in Bassett, Virginia, and the drumline director at High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. He has served as a consultant, arranger, clinician for numerous schools, programs in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Shortly after high school, Andy met Roanoke musician Jeremy Price and joined Jeremy's group Plastic Music in 2003. In 2006, the group landed a nine-week residency at Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. In 2008, the group relocated to Las Vegas and became the number one booked act on the college circuit in 2009. Toured the country extensively, poured numerous uh, performed numerous NBA halftime shows, toured Mexico, performed in the 2008 European All-Star Game in Paris, and made several appearances on local and national TV. 
While living in Las Vegas with uh, Plastic Music Crew, Andy began cutting his rock and roll teeth in a band called One Loud Secret. The band was a power pop quartet consisting of Jeremy Price on guitar, Leilani Dibble on vocals, and Dave McGraw on drums, and Andy playing bass. The band enjoyed some success on the uh, Vegas circus as well, but more importantly, taught Andy how to be a member of a hardworking, constantly evolving rock band. After moving back to Martinsville in 2011, Andy began looking for ways to make more money that still allowed him to do what he loves. He began playing solo uh, acoustic shows at local bars, which eventually led him to the formation of the Andy Burnett Trio. Today, the trio is a staple in the local music scene, consistently performing over 125 shows a year. Andy continues to do solo shows and occasionally can be seen with his duo partner, Jake Earls, as the ache and, or sorry, as the ache that Andy and Jake show. I was doing so well, and that's like the second to last sentence. And he currently resides in Field Dell, Virginia, with his fiance, Ashley Perkins, his nine year old daughter, uh, is it Amelia? Amelia. Amelia and his dog Jackson, who's due for heartworm. By he the is. way, oh. according to the according to the Andy, the ABT calendar, oh, the ABT. Jackson's heartworm. Oh, because you guys share share. Yeah. I hate this stuff. Share Google calendar. Off. I took it. Off. Is it is it a Google calendar? It is. Yeah. Andy, I'm in love now because that's what I share with my guys. <laughs> like, right, and they, yeah. Do you color code yours? Hate. Just recently got around. That's that. my boy. Yeah. So love it. It's easy to share and easy to get on board with everybody's schedule. Jeremy can hate. <laughs> oh man, where do you want to start, Andy? I mean, uh, up to you, man. I don't, I don't. Jeremy, you've known him for a long time. How long? Uh, I met this kid uh, in Franklin County at Franklin County High School when <laughs> Darnell had left Lord Botetourt. I mean, I, I don't really know what transpired, but Darnell was at Field. At, Field of Collinsville. He was at FC, as they call it. Yep. And I saw him at a band competition. I was not in it. I had freshly graduated or sometime after that. And uh, Andy was kind of his hot shot drummer. He was like, Jeremy, come meet this guy. And I met him. <laughs> that's, that's all I remember. didn't like him. No, I, I didn't. I, well, I don't, it was I, a brief, brief interaction. Yeah, it was like, super brief. I mean, I was a kid. That guy's good. Yeah. I don't like him. And uh, when well, it wasn't that, I just didn't really care. Well, maybe that's me projecting as you, and that's what <laughs> I would have been like. I don't like no, him. Well, then um, when Plastic Music came about, it was uh, three guys, and then when we got serious, I, I needed five guys because it was like a piano player has ten fingers. We need ten arms was what I did in my head. And um, my, I want to leave my friend Teddy because we drummed in high school, and he has he's quite the resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, well, I'm teaching this kid down there. Uh, well, a couple of kids actually, but Andy kind of being the, I guess the main one, and he came up and we started working, and we just over time developed this, became a staple in that five man ensemble that went places. That's that's super super cool. And then I got I got a chance to play with you with Plastic Music. You did yep. uh, twenty twenty two, right? It was or was it twenty twenty one? It was twenty twenty one. Yes, it was fall of twenty twenty one. And um, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that 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 whole um, group was packed full of exceptional um musicians and very talented and i was the new additional nine part uh you weren't the only one there were, i know there were several ones. other so um but i was part of that new nine is what i was mm-hmm. saying so um yeah andy you got you got chops son eh. so, 
Yeah. Not oh, anymore. Don't be humble. I got them old man hands. Now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're doing a lot. So Yeah, trying to. So yeah. let's let's start with um as our first regional player. Talk talk about uh, Martinville and Danville uh, and the places that you play at and how um, how that has that area changed over the years for you and okay. maybe give a little history where you started what you so um, growing up in Martinsville so back in the 90s Martinsville had like a true scene like there was several original music bands you know most of them were grunge and that kind of thing they only had one venue to play at though so every weekend you would go and see eight bands on the same night. And like, it was a thing, but I was really too young to like take part of it. Um, but other than that, there was really no venues to play what you would traditionally, you know, think of like bar bands playing, like yeah. the bars didn't have bands. Uh, it was all DJs. And, you know, so at that time I didn't think that that was an option. Right. So I kind of dove into the marching band world and, you know, that was my focus for all that time. Uh, and then all the stuff that you had heard in my bio kind of transpired. Uh, and then when I came back, there was a couple open mics happening. But still, that was really it. Like, there was still no bar gigs to be had. Um, and so I was like, man, you know, I think this is a market that's kind of being overlooked. Because uh, there's several places down there to play. They just hadn't really figured out that you you can do that. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, that you can offer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so I just kind of took it upon myself and, you know, started asking these local places, hey, can I come do, you know, solo acoustic stuff? Um, and it just kind of started snowballing. Um, and when it really changed was uh, the trio. When the trio first started, we landed a every Thursday gig at this place called The Windmill, uh, which is inside a hotel in Collinsville, uh, which is in Henry County. Um, and so once that kind of happened, you know, all the old school musicians were like, oh, playing every week, playing every week, you're going to saturate the market, you know, nobody's going to come see you every week, blah, 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 blah. Well, they were wrong. Like it just kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And so, you know, for the past, that happened in 2017. Oh. And we've held an every Thursday gig since 2017 in martinsville now it's happened at three different bars but you know it wasn't of no fault of ours that it ended at the you know the first place just decided to stop doing entertainment did, did covid have uh, covid happened a little bit you yeah. know um ownership change sure. at one bar but other bars were quick to pick it up you know i had like compete places competing to make it happen um so then lo and behold uh, all the local restaurants. And then we had some breweries pop up down there. Like we have Scuffle Hill Brewing, uh, Mountain Valley Brewing. Um, you know, the live music thing just started picking up and picking up and picking up. And, you know, before you know it, I'm playing three nights a week, four nights a week sometimes between Martinsville. Danville's always kind of had a bar scene. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of worked my way into that because it's close. It's 30 minutes down the road for me. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I'll play anywhere they, anybody will have me. So you, you've come up here to Roanoke a few times, right? A few. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, starting to a lot more in 2023, I have a lot of, a lot of Roanoke venues on the calendar. Um, big Lake brewing. Um, Oh, good for you. That's yeah. A great little place. This is the first year that there's been that many. Oh, there's yeah. been like a, a few total. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Until now. 
Yeah, and so it was kind of a a point of mine. Well, a Jeremy plays drums in my trio, so I kind of wanted to take some of the travel burden off of him. Did he always? He's as he always since two. He did not. No, um, I had another drummer, um, and that just kind of. I just wanted to go a different direction, and I had Jeremy come sit in a couple times, and uh, me and him share this weird rhythmic thing. <laughs> like we 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 just play really well together, no matter. There, there what. is definitely a connection, and I can attest to that because I saw it on stage and during rehearsals when right. we did plastic music stuff, and it's like these these two are speaking a different language, and it, it, you just don't see that. Yeah, it it it's rare, which is you know, I mean I he's my brother from another, but like that's part of the reason I love him is like when we, when we sit down to play instruments, no matter what instrument we're playing, like we used to play in an acoustic guitar duo together. And then I played bass and one loud and you know, like it just, there's this thing. So anyway, so Jeremy, uh, you know, I wanted to take some of the travel burden off of him and try to book some more gigs up here. And I just wanted to get up here. Like Roanoke's music scene is nice. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, well, it's nice to hear that the breweries are opening up down, mm-hmm. down there. And that, Cheers to the cheers to the breweries because yeah. they they keep us uh, they keep us quite busy. Uh, yeah, I gotta get up. Yeah, yeah man, that's like it's on video. You all right? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah, the breweries. So so this this is your Laura. Laura, he's your Laura. Laura is my person that I I've just played music with and I have that unspoken language. And so right now. I've realized what you meant. Oh, sorry. My I've been Laura staring Quadrata. at you going, he's my Laura. Yeah. I didn't know what he meant. Either. I'm reading a book called no, Sacred wouldn't. Cow, and Sacred Cow has a whole other meaning, and I was like, my Laura. So and I was patiently going, what's Laura? Laura Quadrado is my best friend, okay. and we play and sing music and have been for the past Savage. 10 years. Yeah. She, and she she, she, and I have that unspoken language, and it's it's our I call it our friendship language. Right. Like, um we 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 spend a lot of time with family and friends, but that's where we really connect in a right. sense. So yeah, I think it's really cool. So um, what, what are you good? <laughs> you good, Jay Price? <laughs> yeah, I wish I could hang out with, like play with Laura a little bit more, <laughs> only because she's so savage and she gets a little sensitive when I say that. She'll, she'll be all right. She'll she she'll listen to this and she'll call me and be like, "All right." I did that gig <laughs> with you guys on ukulele, and uh, <laughs> I don't I didn't have any time to learn the stuff. I tried. I got I got most of it down, but I was playing a uke solo. Yeah, nice. And she leans over and goes, "You're killing it." <laughs> I, I wasn't killing it. I wasn't exactly sure. Was how she goes. <laughs> You're killing it. That's hilarious. Let's go. I'm like, okay, cool. So, I, so where where in Roanoke? You said, uh, um, oh, Big Lick Brewing. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, the new Los Amigos on Williamson. Yes. Or is it the one off of 460? 460? Oh no, the one on 460. 460. Yeah, 460. Yeah. Do they have a stage? Yeah, apparently it's super nice. Ooh, yeah. Is that um, right next to JD's place, the mm-hmm. comic book shop? Right beside it. Oh. Yep. And then the fill-in station on Williamson. We've got a couple more dates there. I had a conversation, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, I had a conversation good. this past weekend with a, another local drummer, and I hear they treat musicians very, very well. They do. And I did not. I did not know that. So let look me, out, fill-in station, Midnight Envy. Be, be yep. come, let me chime in on. real quick. Go ahead. Um, it's kind of like when I'm in there, I played one gig there with you yeah. and I went and saw Aaron's band. It's like being a musician in Roanoke in 1993. Okay. 94, 95. Yeah. Like, and by no means is, is that a bad thing, but it's just, it has a retro Roanoke feel and it's actually legit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't lie. Like when we pulled in, like 
I had never seen the place. I had no idea where we were going. Uh, you know, I got the gig booked, and I was like, well, I guess we're going to go play this spot. And so I pulled in, and I was like, mm, I don't know that we should be here. I kind of felt like the Blues Brothers when they showed up to the country bar, you know what I mean? I was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know if this is our spot. But we set up, and we played. They loved us. Was that the outside night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you stopped yeah, by. Stopped by. Yeah. You showed up. I did. In yeah. form. <laughs> it's a bit like a roadhouse a little bit a little, yeah. little bit like a roadhouse but roadhouse. they were great to us and you know that i remember that night i was i kept messing with my ring to like i make sure because i thought that lady that was sitting next to me was gonna come over and hit on me and i was like nothing against her i just was like i wanted to make sure she saw my ring and like <laughs> that was that was That's my hilarious. night <laughs> other than watching you guys but uh yeah, i was right. a little, little nervous purpose so um <laughs> Um, <laughs> nervous purpose. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, where else in Red Oak? <laughs> uh, uh, well, and, and you know, we're you doing hopefully, festival. Hopefully, doing yeah, festival. hopefully doing festival in the park. Um, Rosie's. Um, I'm trying to scroll through my calendar in my head. Uh, there, there were several, um, and then Rocky Mount too. We're starting to play more in Rocky Mount, like uh, Living Proof. Okay, brewing that just popped up. Um, I don't think they've been open very long. Um, I do lots of solo shows at like uh, Buddy's Barbecue in Rocky Mount, um, Rocky Mount Burger Company. Um, hopefully, the trio gets some dates at Ippies and keeps you busy, man. Oh yeah. So, can you talk to us about like the how you change up music from, or do you play the same things all over time, or you swap things out? Like, talk about that and how do you keep your audience engaged, and and also talk about like how. Um, that busyness is is for you okay uh so as far as the songs go um i don't ever write a set list like i just kind of call it as i see it or actually jeremy it, it kind of takes those reins sometimes he has the best seat in the house as far as you know being able to view the room Smart. um and i just we just kind of play the room like if it looks like a country crowd we're going to do more country stuff sure. if it looks like a rock crowd we're going to do more rock stuff um the beauty of the trio is we span lots of genres. Um, you guys played some pop stuff. You guys played some nineties yep, pop. Yep. Play some pop, play some nineties, play, uh, you know, some seventies soul. Um, you know, my favorite genre of music is R and B and, you know, we do few R and B tunes, lots of Southern rock, classic rock. Um, I try to play something for everybody and, and not necessarily just, something for everybody but i like all that stuff too like yeah. i you know i listen to everything if you listen if you look at my playlist like it literally goes from classical music all the way through to like you know math metal like everything in between so so yeah we, i mean we're as a band we're all open to playing you know pretty much anything um and so we've built up quite a lot of songs that uh, you know that we have in our pocket that we could pull out at any given time uh, a few medleys and things like that so what's your rehearsal schedule like uh zero <laughs> mm. so you just just like here check this track out pretty much yeah um those look like hot coals let's walk on them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so <laughs> <laughs> intention made <laughs> <clears throat> the beauty of the every thursday gig and, and i hope they don't listen to this uh is not only is it a performance for us and we, you know we're there playing for the crowd but it's also like that's where we kind of shape it's home base man yeah that's, it's, it's where I, we that's shape the way the i band. call it yeah yeah 
Dude, it's the safe tree. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This branch. I'm going to hold on to this branch. Uh, No, it makes perfect sense. You have to have a place like that where you can test songs out. Mm -hmm. And I I love it when when they don't like it. uh, Then you're immediately look at everybody and you're like, yeah, we ain't doing that again. Oh, I'll I'll call it out on the mic. Like if we play something and they don't like it. And I mean, let's just say it's like a. I don't know John Denver tune. I'm like, all right, no John Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no that, and they love that too. They're oh, like, yeah, yeah. they'll laugh. They're like, ha ha, you actually listened to us, right? But, so. um, but I mean, for us, the the other thing is like, not only trying new songs, but new things, right? Like a lot of of things will happen musically, and we're like, oh, like <laughs> that was hip. Like let's keep that, you know. Like you know, start stops, pauses, uh, you know something i'll sing a lick and jeremy be like yeah that's nice you need to keep that or you know brian my bass player brian will play something and you know we'll both look me and jeremy will look at him and be like yeah that was dope and you know and, and that's kind of you know i don't want to call it that's our rehearsal but it kind of is that's that unspoken language that you yeah. have to have too that's our rehearsal it no, is. well it, <laughs> how many times have we also talked about on the show like live performing is is the best way to learn so, uh, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, well, it, it's it's the pinnacle. It, it's I set the coals up, and now I'm cooling them <laughs> off. <laughs> well, there, there, there's an issue with like, uh, you know, getting too confident, and then getting better at that process, and then that's when you walk across those hot coals, but you trip and fall on your face. Yep, yeah, which I've done numerous times. Uh, yeah, but uh, and now you're very comfortable with the process, mm-hmm. so you, I, I don't think you fear it at all. I do not. Which could be counterproductive right but but i mean it's a real good way to as much as i don't like working that way it's kind of a necessity right because so far apart we're dads and we have other multiple projects your your projects are kind of stacked on your you have work music and then your project music and it's uh it's um nested so you you have (laughs) you have the trio the duo and yourself so that's nested all in one and between that and being fathers it kind of has to be that way so we just got better at doing it. it's not my preference I'm, I'm clearly vocal about it but at the same time it is beneficial in, mm. in the long in the long run we've been doing it so long that if we had to box up 45 to 90 minutes of really good stuff it's there oh yeah and we got paid to format this over time so i have no complaints it's just i will voice myself he's like let's play this i'm like yeah 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 no well but I'm starting to like this Matchbox 20 song that we play. Oh, that I, I do not like it. I've never liked it. When he first started playing with us, I'd call it. And he'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was this one Very gig. Very viscerally on stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was this one gig. Sorry. Like, it starts with the guitar intro. And so, like, I start it, and I hear him say, don't have to, I get to. <laughs> and he comes in, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. But now, <laughs> but now it's evolved into this thing where, like, we do it our own way, and part of that's because of the way he plays it, and I know it's because he's bored back there. and like Plays it in 7-4. I, I do, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is Jeremy Price. but That's it, not true. Uh, it, it, we just add our little bells and whistles to it, and it's become like, you know, it's definitely a staple in our set list. I mean, it's one of our stronger tunes, whether he likes it or not. Um, so yeah, but it, but all that comes down to again that Thursday night gig. That's where we hash that out. You know, so it's the best. It's the best to have a little place like that to do that, and it's really great when they do work. And you oh, yeah. and 
you just can add it to the repertoire. Yep. So we've had that happen several times. Try a new one, and we're like, oh, that went pretty well. Let's keep that one in the in the loop. So other other than what you've talked about historically and um, kind of geographically with with the differences between where you're playing in Martinsville and Roanoke, what what's it like for you to to go across regions and play? Uh, it's interesting. Um, I am because of my background with plastic music and. Uh, you know, when when I was, when plastic music was touring heavily, Jeremy was on tour with another group. And so I was the dude on the mic controlling the room and like reading the room, talking, you know, doing that thing. So I've become super sensitive to that kind of thing. Yeah. So when I go into a new club, I'm kind of, you know, again, walking in, seeing what kind of people are there, making my decisions of what I want to play. And it there is a difference between the Martinsville crowd, the Danville crowd, the Roanoke crowd, the Greensboro crowd. I don't know Huge. If people realize how difficult that is for a person to get up on stage oh, yeah. and to lead and to to be the front man in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, I know we've talked about that a few times with a few of our front men on here, but like, I mean, then you're going cross regionally yep. and you're coming to a place where nobody knows you. Yep. Potentially, right? Yep. And you're you're trying to make your name for yourself. I, yeah, I have not done that, so I wouldn't. I don't know how it feels. Which is why I ask. it's tough, man. Like in the plastic music thing, like I guess you could say I was the front man during those years. It was different because it was very calculated. Like that's such a volatile thing. Like we had to do it pretty much the same way every night, but with the exception of my mic work. Like you know, I could tell jokes or whatever, and you know when we. Because we toured everywhere. Like, we've been to all uh, 48 continental U.S. states multiple times, whatever. And so people would kind of laugh at my southern accent. Um, you know, I'd pronounce the city wrong, and they'd correct me, and I'd not care. And, like, yeah. you know. So so that was a different thing. But <laughs> <laughs> those experiences gave me the confidence to come into places like Roanoke Bars um, or Greensboro or, Ron- or Danville or Martinsville and just not just not care like go do my thing and you know if they like me they like me if they don't they don't and the other thing is i love going to new places because i have the element of surprise yeah right like when i walk in people are making assumptions when they see me setting up they're either like oh this guy looks like he's gonna be pretty good or oh this guy looks like he's gonna be stupid like whatever and then you know when i get up there and i sound okay you know it, yeah. it i already get them on my side um, then, you know, a few jokes and a few requests and, you know, those kinds of things. Then I've got them on my side. The, the, the one I saw you guys at the filling station, uh, I noticed that you, you took a lot of requests and mm-hmm. that, that put, uh, my anxiety uh, above the level 10 for me. Right. I, I, I am always impressed with somebody that can do that and, and pull it off as well as you did. I think oh, you took you. this hip hop one and I, and this is not a negative towards you but you looked up you had to look up the lyrics because and like i do that i play with an ipad and i have zero regrets about it oh yeah people give me shit about it all the time and to that i'm like uh you you do it yeah you you learn 60 songs lyrics we know hundreds yeah Yeah. exactly and it's like you know on top of that you go see a symphony they've got music stand in front of them and now they may have played Mahler five a hundred times and know every note but it's still in front of them correct you know what i mean like you, to me, it's not and not speaking my language, and not to mention all my PAs control from my iPad. So like, you know, 
That's always been my. That's there. always been my lie. It's like that's my monitor, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I have no shame about it. Like you know, it allows me to do my thing, and the trio is has gotten to the point to where. You know, if somebody calls, you know, makes a request that's a relatively simple song, odds are we're going to get through it pretty well. Uh, you know, as long as I can pull the lyrics up, you know, we're, we'll most of the time do it justice, unless it's something crazy, you know. But, yeah, so I, I have no shame in my game when it comes to the iPad. Good for you. Yep. Good for you. Um, I know there are a lot of opinions out there mm-hmm. uh, on that. So, um, but Well, you- in, in effect, anybody that, that has an issue with that, that person is saying – you should know all the songs in the world. Yeah, yeah, basically. And they, they can just go know them themselves. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, you know, if we were an all-original band, we're only doing 45 to 90-minute sets, sure. You know, take the iPad away. Like, I don't need the iPad at that point. Like, Festival in the Park, you know, we're doing short sets. Yeah. I, I don't need the iPad for yeah. that. But when we're doing three-hour nights and people are throwing darts and, like, picking these random requests – I mean, come on. No, you have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. So. I, I I couldn't agree more. So uh, let's kind of switch gears. Let's let's talk about the process um, of speaking to managers in the business of promoting yourself. How mm-hmm. did the conversations typically typically go? And talk about the wh- where money came in and, and how, how do you put a value on yourself and your time mm-hmm. and your worth? Mm, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. Yeah, I hate that one. Well, I I asked that I asked that because one, you're you're our regional guy, and you're coming in you're coming into Roanoke, you're coming into an area where where it's taken me quite a bit of time to just mm-hmm. get a phone call back. Right. And now 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 that I am, you mm-hmm. know, the next question is, all right, how much am I worth, and how much is my auxiliary person that might come in and play with me worth? How much is the rest of my members worth, and yeah. how much is my sound guy worth? And you know the we have to ask ourselves these questions and uh, it's nice when businesses um, listen in a mm-hmm. sense. Uh, some of them don't and that's mm-hmm. okay. They That's their business. Yep. You know, uh, we can also choose to say no. So that's exactly. why I ask. Which is a lesson I have recently learned that say a no thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So I heard the term a long time ago, the squeaky wheel gets greased. Yeah. Right. And so it's kind of, it's basically what it boils down to is I just email and email and email and call and message and call and message until somebody calls me back. Right. And then, um, you know, there's a couple of people that helped me out with the booking, like Sandra. I, I'm not even going to say your last name, Sandra. It starts with an A. I don't want to mispronounce it. He'd say it four different ways before I got it right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Aaron Negi, but don't quote me on that. Anyway, um, you know, she's booked a lot of gigs for me. So that that's cool. That's the clip. We're going to put that one as the <laughs> oh. where he messes up the name. So, oh. But I'm I think kidding. I got it right, though. <laughs> I ought to call her right now. Be like, hey. um, Sorry, go ahead. So, yeah. So, and then uh, a lot of it is past relationships, too. Like, of, you know, a club let me in one time and then they continually book, right? Like, so I have several venues that um, there's a brewery in Collinsville that's got me once a month all year. There's a brewery in Eden that's got me once a month all year. Um, that's either you as a solo or you as the, tri- you it, mo- the trio. Most of those are the trio. Yeah. Um, I have a couple that have me solo by my, you know, at least once a month all year. And so like before you know it, you get three or four of those. You've halfway booked your, yeah. you know, your whole calendar. And then you just got to find some filler dates and, you know, stuff like that. And the word of mouth, you know, that that's important too. Um, 
you know, both uh, Jeremy and my bass player, Brian, play in other bands. Um, so, you know, lots of suggestions of venues come from their experiences with other bands. Yeah. And where uh, they live in places yep. like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's just, you know, again, squeaky wheel gets grease, man. You got, you got to try. And that's kind of where it is. And then as far as money goes, that's a tough question because... Like, when I first started doing these things, I didn't really know how it worked. Yeah. Right? Like, like when One Loud was playing in Vegas, One Loud Secret, we played mostly original music. And so you're really just playing for, like, a couple beers. Like, nobody pays for original music, yeah. even there, you know. Um, and so we were, you know, happy as hell to do it. Yeah, um, maybe a meal. Yeah, maybe can. a meal. So when I came back home and people's like, yeah, man, you know, how about 69 for for 100 bucks? I'm like, man, hell yeah. Right. And, you know, like I take it. And then after I did that for two, three years, I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure this is worth it. Like, yeah. But you kind of pigeonhole yourself. Like, it, you know, my daddy taught me a long time ago when you're negotiating, you can always come down. You can never go, go up. up. And so, like, getting those prices up has been hard. Yeah. You know. Tough um, conversations. It is yeah. tough conversations, and I've had to say no to a couple places. It's like talking to Cox Cable, and like, <laughs> why did you, <laughs> why did you up my price? I've been a good member right. of your of your company. Like, what, what went up? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. It's like the I, ether. Right. <laughs> what? How? What changed? <laughs> yeah. Why, Energy. Why am I getting <laughs> electricity more? Right. right. Yeah. So what went up? Um. So yeah. So I mean, you know, here of late. Uh, well, I'd, I'd say about a year ago, I, I remember having a specific conversation with a venue. I'm not going to mention any names. Smart man. And I and I looked them in the face and I said, "Listen, musicians have been making a hundred bucks a gig since the '50s. Like, don't you think it's time we go up? Like, like we bring you people, people come in here, spend money. Like, give me 150 a man. Like, you know what I mean? Not a lot. Like, let's just go up just a little bit. Like, as a show of faith." from you that, you know, we're helping your business, like help my business. And, uh, you know, most clubs have been very receptive. Yeah. Uh, Some not. A couple have not. Yeah. And, you know, to that, I'm like, sorry. Like, you know, I'm, I'm getting old or older uh, and I got a lot going on. And so, like, trying to figure out what it's worth for me to go do something I love is I struggle with it. Yeah. You know? I I want to understand that part of the business better and more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with lots of different people in, in this music realm and, and what's right and what's wrong mm -hmm. and what we should get paid and how you should get paid and how how a business should look at you and, and, and determine what your value is based off of how much alcohol did, right. did you sell. Well, I, I'm not here to sell alcohol. I'm here to sell my music and my talent. And, and it sometimes feel like the relationship isn't always uh, reciprocal in that, mm -hmm. that sense. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's tougher than I think people realize. Oh, it's super tough. Um, and especially if you know those people personally, mm -hmm. now I'll say, and I hope that he comes on the show sometimes chat at the uh, former, formerly known as Billy's barn. He was absolutely amazing to us. And right. He would change the price per what we helped him and what 
what we brought in and so we would typically just do the door which i would i prefer that Mm -hmm. personally because it does put a little bit more pressure on me and then it takes it off the business Mm -hmm. and so if there's like a nominal price that the business is going to give me plus the door even better so i i don't know i don't i don't don't know if there's a right formula there's not and and you know like like there's a couple places we play that are the door versus a guarantee right like so they guarantee you x amount you make more than that at the door, you get the door. Yeah. You don't make more than that, you get whatever the the guarantee the guarantee was. Yeah. And usually the guarantee's low um because they you know obviously they want you to try to get people in the door. I'm cool with all that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I, um, I, I get on that. Yeah, I'm glad that not everybody does that. Yeah. I'm being honest, yeah. but you know, it does it at least has some logic behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and the other thing too is like Everything else is going up. You know what I mean? Like, I drive a massive van to gigs, right? And, like, I mean, gas ain't cheap. Jeremy drives from Roanoke. No matter where we play, if we're playing in Greensboro, you know, that takes me 45 minutes from Martinsville, but it takes him almost two hours unless he comes and meets me, right? So, like, if I'm expecting him to come down and play for the same price that I'm getting, you see what I'm saying? No, that makes sense. I've (laughs) got to try to make it worth this man's time to come down there or he's just not going to come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I he, he's, I've coined this phrase. It's 25 to drive. There you go. <laughs> and it really doesn't even, it might cover it. It, it might cover it in your car. With a truck. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. With a truck? I'm it's a, a ridgeline. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's that apology. Yeah. yeah. It's a ridgeline. Yeah. 25 to drive. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, in the past, like I said, past year, two years, it's really been a topic in my head of trying to figure out what we're worth and what I need to charge. And when do I say no? Like, I have a problem saying no. Yeah. I will stack myself to death. Like, you know, I'm teaching two schools. Cool. I gig three, four nights a week. I have a nine-year-old daughter. Um, you know, it, I work seven days a week, whether I'm – and most of the time, on into the night. Um yeah, you're, some of your hours are oh, it's crazy. Yeah, eight to eleven. A lot of times is what it looks like. Yeah, after that's, teaching all day. Yeah, that's a long, <laughs> like, that's a long day. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's up late. That's when I'm sending him these these TikToks because I don't do that ish anymore. <laughs> I do have really long weekends because Lay and I go back and forth. But he's up working, and I'm mm. sending him the dumbest stuff I can find. So yeah, you too. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um. So you you. You teach lessons and um, college. Mm-hmm. Is it college and then high school? Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. I wanted to get that right. I didn't write that question right, but um. So you do that by day, and then, like you just said, play four, three to four times at at night. Mm-hmm. So talk talk to our listeners about scheduling and um, and saturation. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and saturation. It's a nightmare. <laughs> if I'm just being honest. So. Uh, so let's talk about the high school first. So Bassett is a highly competitive. Um, oh, I know you kicked our asses at Northside oh, all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it, like <laughs> you know, we do national circuit stuff too, and like you know, it, it is super time consuming. And I know every marching band in the world is time consuming. Yeah, but like on the staff side of things, when you get to a certain level, 
Like, I mean, are you writing? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Writing, doing sound effects, you know, programming drum machines. I'm also the sound engineer there. So I'm figuring out like, you know, setting my scenes on the board and figuring out what my routing is. And I mean, it is nonstop. That, that ladies and gentlemen is a whole other side job learning sound. Oh yeah. Just FYI. We can have a whole other podcast on that. Yes. But it yeah. is. It's uh, something I do DJing and it mm-hmm. is, it's not easy. No. Even if even just plugging in and I mean, even doing this mm-hmm. is you still, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, so just for instance, just to tag onto that, in Bassett's Fall Show this past year, I had uh, 29 channels of stuff going on in a marching band show. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, ain't no need for that. Yeah. But we got it, you know. And so I'm the one that has to figure out, you know, how to make that function, how to get it set up. Uh, when you go compete in Bands of America, you have three minutes to set up. Yep. Or you get penalized, right? Which happens on local circuits, too, but not quite as cut and dry like you when you get to three minutes of boa you better be ready to go or it's bad right and so just imagine like if i took you to elmwood park and said let's set up this pa system right that's you know two 218 subs two 215 tops uh i had a separate pa this past year that was uh, two one eighteen subs and then two one fifteen tops with twenty eight channels worth of stuff running cables for all that Ethernet digital snakes the whole nine mics everywhere three minutes three minutes right like the the coordination that has to go behind that is like anyway so so yeah the, so so I've got that going on uh, and I'm still gigging like I leave rehearsal. Like when we play our Thursday night gig, I leave rehearsal at Bassett on Thursdays at seven. Downbeat at the gig is at eight thirty. So I have to drive from Bassett to Martinsville, get all my gear out of the van, set up, and be ready to play a three hour show at eight thirty. Like after teaching from I mean all day, you know, and so like it's tough, but I do it. I wanna hug you. <laughs> that's a lot, dude. It is, but it, again, you know, it, it is a way of life. It's a way it, of it's life. It's a way of life, man. You are you are a full time musician, hundred percent. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. No, you are. Yeah, um, but you know, it goes back to that. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, and absolutely. even though it surely it sure as hell feels like work, I still love every minute of it. You know, like I love the teaching and I love the the problem solving of the whole figuring all that stuff out at the marching band level and then going to play my gigs. Like, I'm gonna do it as long as I can. You know, so in a sense, uh, a lot of this new technology that we have with sound equipment mm-hmm. has been kind of beneficial for you. It's better to pay the the top dollar stuff, the digital stuff, oh, yeah. so that you can you can run it quicker and, mm-hmm. and on the fly. A lot of the powered stuff is easier to set up mm-hmm. than um, the passive stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. No, like I mean, technology is great, and um, there's been a lot of a learning curve um, for sure. But I mean, I use it in the trio. Like my board is iPad controlled. I use it at Bassett. I use it at High Point actually for their marching band. I, you know, design their PA system and have them buy the gear and get that all worked out. And, you know, I'd control that from an iPad as well. And it definitely made life a lot easier and gives you the ability to go up in the stands and be able to hear what, you know, what all is going on. Um, so yeah, so that was just high school and gigging. Then I threw High Point on top of there um, which I don't go there a lot. I go there two days a week in the fall. 
Um, and then in the spring, the, during basketball season, it's a little more hot and heavy because the drumline has to do a lot of timeouts and halftime shows. Yeah. Um, so I have to go to a lot of games. Matter of fact, I, I went there last night. I got to go there tomorrow night. I got to go back Saturday. Got to go back Sunday, Monday. Um, so, yeah, like, again, in order for me to make what I consider a comfortable living, yeah, uh, I got to work my ass off. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to somebody who who has, you know, what would be, quote, unquote, a normal job. Yeah. I mean, that's that's me. I yeah. mean, I, I work, a quote, unquote, eight to, eight to four right. uh, as a teacher or as a special educational mm-hmm. teacher at a local high school. And then I can do as I please at night. Right? Yeah. So like I, I get that. I understand. I understand that comfort, but talking to somebody like you who grinds that much, you, uh, for me, it gives me more of a sense of respect for you and what you have to do oh, thanks, as a man. musician. And, and it's a, it's a lot of work guys. And I, I can't, I can't say that enough. So, yeah. um, if you are listening to this uh, and you're, um, a local business, Think about that fifty to an extra hundred fifty of all all of what he just said. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean Andy runs sound for the band as well, so that's mm-hmm. one thing we don't pay. And he's good at it. And he's comfortable with it. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean it's. Do you know where I learned how to do that? Right, plastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was just sitting here thinking about the nuance that you get from every experience. Mm-hmm. Like eh, whatever it is, if you're open to it, you'll get that experience. And there will come a time where you need to start start saying no for your health and well being in future, uh, just to save time for other things. Mm-hmm. You can you can miss out on a lot because you can be so consumed with not only yourself and your uh, betterment, but you know, there's so much to learn from plugging in chords and mm-hmm. how it works from the sound perspective. And this is why any band or show that's out there, they have people designated for these things whether they're good or not is not my point right now the point is you have a designated sound guy designated light designer you can work with them but when you're on the climb or just trying to sustain yourself sometimes you have to double up on your jobs yeah and there's a lot to learn from you can also get addicted to the doubling up yeah which i kind of am no you are absolutely well you're you're saving a lot of money Mm -hmm. on that side of things too being able to do it yourself it is a lot more work having to clean up and set up and take down i mean that i get i i that's why when we play once twice a month i enjoy it because i enjoy the setup i like making Mm -hmm. like doing the schematics and moving things around and organizing all that i really do enjoy that but if i were to have to do that three times a week by myself right it's yeah it get old real quick yeah it does and i'm gonna organize us a few more beers yeah man that'd be nice i'm gonna i'm gonna keep andy company um Um, i i mean like jeremy said i am addicted to it and and part of that too like i get that from him if i'm being honest with you like (laughs) wait wait till i leave yeah (laughs) like we me and him when we moved to vegas like we were always dabbling in something whether it was you know, I mean, there was times we were 100% nocturnal where we never saw the sun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we were up so late working on just whatever, you know. That we, like I said, we used to have a little acoustic guitar duo that we toyed around with, the rock band, plastic music, um, you know, designing new sets, designing sound systems, designing this, that, and blah, blah, blah. Did you help write any of the stuff for, for plastic music? Yeah. Yeah. Most of my input was more on the um, movement side of things oh, the, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like choreography. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, like just 
uh, a backboard for him to bounce stuff off of. So there, there's a there's a huge attachment there for you. There's like this this unspoken love for plastic music oh, dude, and what yeah. that's done for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it changed my life like completely. Yeah, you know, um, it not only musically, right? Like that's where I learned a lot about playing with other people. Yeah, um, I- because plastic is impossible to be good at. Unless you can bend with other people, I, yeah. I mean, it, I played very such a very small role in mm-hmm. that, but it it was it was the most intensely fun thing I've ever done. If that makes sense, yeah, it's great. Like, it was it was like one of the coolest moments mm-hmm. for me on stage, and I've I've done a lot of cool things, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like that that for me was like one. I'm playing with my mentor. Right. Two. I'm playing. I'm watching my mentor play with some of his best friends and there's 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 something really neat in my opinion about watching somebody you love and care about play with people that they love and care about mm-hmm. and it's 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 just it's just uh it's a whole different side of love to me and it's just it's kind of neat and so classic uh, music there was a time that we did the craziest stuff for no <laughs> real reason like so at the time when plastic was first popping off, we had no gigs, was making no money. Yeah. And we were just chasing this little idea. You know, I lived in Martinsville. Actually, me and three other dudes of the five lived in Martinsville. We were driving up here twice a week. I mean, I could barely eat as it was, but I'd got hop in my little Dodge Neon and drive to Mohawk Avenue and play these magic markers. And then Jeremy said, hey, let's take gymnastics. <laughs> He did. Yeah, I'm 24 years old, 25 <laughs> years old at the time. Jeremy's getting ready to be 30. I was 29. There's a guy. There's a, there's a, he's missing a couple steps. No. It was it was kind of suggested that maybe we should look at it to make the show or whatever. It, so it wasn't just, hey guys, let's take gymnastics. No, so, so let me tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you how Jeremy suggests things. So he says, hey, let's take gymnastics. And we're all like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Next thing we know, a tumble track trampoline (laughs) shows up at the house. And we're like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's what we're going to learn to tumble on. Now, granted, we hadn't taken not a nary gymnastics class yet. You didn't need to. Yeah, exactly. He had already learned everything about (laughs) it prior to buying that that trampoline. I guarantee it. He's read read that instruction book. Yes. Uh, Yes, he did. Yes. And so we go jump in here and like first night man like we're all having our good time jumping around learning the equipment i try to do some flip in the ball pit and fold myself up like a chair <laughs> they thought i was dead like they had to come pull me out we of the really foam. did i thought that was done yeah like he thought i was paralyzed and i'm sorry he said no i'm good <laughs> yeah i was like no i'm good you know couldn't breathe and so yeah, so plastic music, man. Like that that first group, the first five. I mean, blood, sweat, and tears for just an idea. Like we had no idea what was really going to happen. That's where the great ones start. Yeah. So no, it was a good time, man. It changed my life. I, I saw the world, uh, or you know, portion of the world. Uh, got to move. You know, lived in Vegas for what two and a half years, three years. So here's Travis throwing the coals again. Uh, so he he when we we first started uh, reintroducing plastic music mm-hmm. and he was going to add the the ghost the nine. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Here's this guy. 
He's gonna be a little skeptical of the new style, but he's gonna he's gonna work up to it. I promise. Like it, I'm I'm no, paraphr- about Andy. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing. Oh. I'm paraphrasing. Probably a good idea. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and just listening to you tonight talk mm-hmm. about how much those that that experience meant to you. I was like, I understand that because mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I was freaking afraid of you. I was like, oh, this no, guy, dude. this guy don't like what I'm playing. No, no, I don't. No, no, no. I think I'm scared. And then and then when we played and like it was it was so much better. Well, and and you have to understand, I'm 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 student to to several teachers, oh, yeah. and I've always I've kind of been that for a, uh, a long time. The House of Schmidt was. And, and sorry to repeat myself, uh, people of audience, but uh, I, I was a leader of a bunch of mentors mm-hmm. and a bunch of people and, and, and best friends, and it was tough. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. so, so tough. And so I bring this up because you um, have such a passion for it. And like, it's, it's on the outside, you're like, you want to respect that and right. own up. And you just don't, you didn't never know somebody's story until you, you talk to it too. So, like, I think it's really cool how um, intense that played in your in your life. It was very intense. So and yeah. So I, well, like the whole addition of the things, I wasn't against that. Just side notes, right? Like you said, skeptical. I didn't say you were going to be against. But. Yeah, and I wasn't skeptical. I just kind of. You don't like change. No, no, I'm in the change. So the, the first five dudes, like I said, we spent so much time together and rehearsed so much that like it was almost like we could do no wrong. Yeah. Like, like you know, there were times that we were on stage playing the craziest split parts you've ever seen in your life, having full on conversations with each other. Yeah. Like, you know, because we had gotten to a, such a level of comfort and that's the only skepticism I had was Absolutely. that that level of comfort wasn't going to be there. Right. Like. And, it, you know, that was, that was really it. And it's almost impossible to get that level of comfort with plastic without that. That, that intensity. That intensity, Absolutely. man. Like, that's why we lived together. Like, we rehearsed for hours and hours and hours, day after day after day. I had never been to a rehearsal that lasted, like, all day like that. And mm-hmm. you guys were used to that. So, like, oh, God, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was like. Guys, I need I need to eat. Like yeah. somebody, somebody feed me, and I think no, somebody you was don't. <laughs> somebody, no, yeah, you don't. Somebody was like, "You guys want to order some food?" And I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah. <laughs> That's what it took with somebody breaking the ice. But to go back to what Jeremy said a minute ago, taken from all your experiences, uh, you know, most of us had been through the marching world, yeah, and which is that's norm. You know, band camp nine to nine. You know, Saturday rehearsals, nine to five, whatever. Like we were used to that. And yeah. so we just kind of went at it from that aspect. And we're like, oh, well, this is just like marching band. Like, you know, well, I can't wait to do it again. With yeah. you, it's a it good was, time. It was, it was killer. Awesome. So, so let's, let's transition one more time. Uh, Prepare to bleed. Prepare. To <laughs> 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 um, so how, how is your history of being a drummer mm-hmm. um, played? Uh, a role as you, you being a guitar player uh a lot actually um first off i miss playing drums so if anybody's looking for a drummer call your boy <laughs> uh, second off it, it just the only thing that i really claim to be good at is rhythm like that's the only thing that i really am like i'll, I'll go toe to toe with a lot of people and and feel good about it you know what i mean i don't consider myself a good guitar player i don't consider myself you know really great at anything 
I just really understand rhythm. Yeah. And it's because of drums, it's because of marching bands, because of plastic music, like all again, all these experiences. And so I do think when I play guitar, that rhythmic sense allows me to lock in with him, allows me to lock in with the bass bass guitar player. Uh, I play different solos than other non-rhythmic guitar players might play. Um yeah, I, I, I saw that yeah. the one time. I I did. I I think and come at me. Uh, I think it makes uh, I think it makes you you a better guitar player. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. Like I do think I'm it, just saying in general. Yeah. Like in general, if you have some form of rhythmic background, mm-hmm. drums or percussion or whatever, I think it makes you a better guitar player in a yeah. sense. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, Jeremy. Like, I mean, he's probably the one to ask. Like, I'm I'm very self. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Self-sabotaging sometimes, self-doubting. Um, but I like I do think that the rhythmic side of things gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. You know, like, you know, when I teach at Bassett, I get in front of the winds a lot. And, you know, they're so concerned with notes and scales and, you know, intonation and this, that, and the other. And they forget that those notes on the page without the rhythm are just notes on the page. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and then the rhythm without the notes or just rhythm. Like you can't, you can't separate the two. Like you have to, if you're going to work on this one and be really good at this one, you got to really be really good at the rhythm side of it too. And so, you know, I, I feel like that gets overlooked and I think it's the most important thing um, because I think that's what the general public feels the most, right? Like when we're playing in a bar to a bunch of, you know, drunk bar goers, they're not worried that I hit a C sharp instead of a C. Correct. You know, but if it's in the wrong beat or like a wrong timing, they notice it. You know what I mean? Well, they feel it internally. Yeah. 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 Internal clocks and all that are are a real thing, you know. It's visceral. Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, I agree. It it does make, I do think the rhythmic background makes you better at really anything you try. Like I, I felt it a lot when I played bass back in the day. I want to play bass. It's fun. Yeah. I think I like bass. plays bass. Yeah. I'm not. He's over there grinning. Alex. Like, yeah. Yeah. Alex, Alex is a sub for the Andy Burnett trio. He is. Oh. He's ha- played what? Has four been. gigs with me? Four or five? Yeah. All right. All right. Look at you, Alex. I'm he said he's gonna sub for everybody. Else. <laughs> Alex Gross, ladies and gentlemen. Man out here trying to get a, a gig, gig. Uh, now you're getting all those benefits of subbing for everybody. Gigging you know. for everybody. What was Alex our third guest on the podcast? Third or fourth? Yeah. Yeah, right on. So, um, podcast. I'm I'm feeling feeling happy about not asking the financial implications. I feel like he kind of already answered that, don't you think? Well, he's a full time musician, somewhere yeah. between teaching and playing. So. There's no the implications are that's his living. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what yeah, it implies. That's what I was. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's already answered. So, yeah. um, you ready for the bunny gauntlet? I'm ready. Here we go. What's happening? All right. I felt it. So I gave you. A group of questions to look over, and uh, oh wait a minute, these are questions that I did not give you. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I okay, all right. <laughs> and I don't ask them typically. Oh, <laughs> your best buddy Jeremy does. Hey, buddy, <laughs> who's your top non 
Wait a minute. Who's your top musical influence? You only get one. You only get one. Don't weasel your way into some wordage that gets you five. Famous or not famous? Top musical influence. Famous or not famous? I don't care. Don't weasel your way around the question. <laughs> everybody, everybody does it. Everybody goes, oh, just one. Uh, it's meant. Uh, it's meant to look at the struggle, and part of it is because people listening, if you made it this far, are like, "Is it?" I mean, a lot goes into this. Yeah, a lot goes into this. <laughs> if, if I can be a hundred percent honest, and this is going to sound cheesy, it's Jeremy. Love it. What? Yep. It's Elvis. No, it's not. No, it's Elvis. No. So magical and whimsical. That's really what sweet. the fuck is going on? It is. <laughs> so, it's so whimsical. I, I've learned so much from him, and like. You know, he shaped and opened my eyes, not even necessarily taught me things that he's good at. Like, just he's opened my eyes to, like, world percussion and, you know, all these other types of music and the found percussion stuff and how to bend rhythm. Like, the weird thing about Jeremy, those of you that don't know Jeremy, is he can play metronomically dead on and he can manipulate it at will. Mm. Right? And that is something that when I first saw it, I was young. It blew my mind. And so, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's like the force. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's Jeremy. And if you give me a famous person, it's Prince. So, oh, I'm weaseling my way. Oh, man, I didn't beat Prince. <laughs> yeah. Why, people got to stop weaseling out this question, man. Um, he did it in a way which was super sweet. And I'm not letting it go just because he said me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I've been a ball buster my trying, whole life. I'm trying to hey, I ain't worried about you. <laughs> uh, well, no. So the the beautiful. First off, um, a lot of people may not say that. You know, it wouldn't have because we're here in the room together. Yeah. Like I know, I know that I've influenced a couple of uh, local people heavily, yeah. and they'll have actually have nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's it's true, man. Like, but I mean, like, so so admitting it, if, if that's the case, that's the case, and, and that's an honor to me. Uh, I only now I'm teaching so much these days, yep. and it's not my favorite thing to do, but I feel obligated to do it. And I see I see kids learn. I get these emails, I get messages. People mm-hmm. are like, "Hey, uh, Connor, well, Connor, okay, um, speaking as my, hey, hey, Shelby and Connor, <laughs> um, you know, he was kind of in a crunch to. Uh, he was at North Cross. He's the only percussionist and. It was he was encouraged to take lessons to go to district or regional band, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And he, he made six chair symphonic nice. in about three months' time. So I understand the value of what that is. So kudos to you for sharing. Yeah, man. But more than that, I'd say I say this a lot to a lot of my students. We disagree a lot now. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know I did my job. Yep. Because you if, if you're gonna funnel and, and assist someone on their journey, uh you don't by no means you stand on any sort of pedestal, but if that person goes so far that they can intellectually and philosophically disagree with you, they're their own musician now. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I can stand, oh. yeah, stand my own ground with you now. It, where it, there was a long time that I would never open my mouth. Like if you brought up something musical, I'm like, oh, well, he knows more than I do. Like, right. you know, I'm just gonna let that ride. And then I, you know, as I progressed, I started picking things that I liked from you and mm-hmm. things I didn't like from you. And to me, that's an influence. Like, yeah, you know, and we, I've gotten more of that from you than, and I've been taught by some really good people. Um, but I've gotten more of that from you than anybody. So cool. that's cool. You, you've spent a lot of time. Oh yeah. Too. A lot of and that, that, um, that time and, uh, uh the proximity mm-hmm. the word I was looking for is, I mean, that, that's, that's, that, 
plays a big role in my opinion. I mean, a lot of a lot of folks end up hating their teachers, and I wouldn't never say I was Andy's teacher. That would never happen. No, 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 we were we were acquaintances. You would never teach whole. me anything. I had to watch you. <clears throat> yeah, like I asked you to give me lessons. You're like, nope. Nope. Uh, I, I pay him for him. Yeah, he <laughs> wouldn't do it. My, my last year on Stomp, they were all asking me for notes all day long, and I'm like, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know if it's a good thing or not. But uh, point being, and I'm just going to say it again. It, if you teach people to the point that they can disagree with you, you don't want to you don't want to assist another person in becoming you. What's the mm-hmm. point of that? What's the point? Like, and, and that's my goal with all my kids. Like, see where they're at and be like, yo, you try this, try this, because everybody needs something different. Yep. And that should perpetuate some beautiful creativity and some opinions, whether you like those opinions or not. That should be the goal, yep. in my opinion. And if you agree. disagree with me, I still win because I'm saying you should disagree with me. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. Top non-musical influence. Top non-musical influence. Jesus. Um, okay. Oh, no. That's <laughs> 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 uh, funny. Amen. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. I don't know. Um, you know, I'll tell you why I ask it. Because later in my career, like well, where I'm at now, um, I try not to base anything on anybody. I'm like, right. what, what about life? Why do I still like music as much as I do? Right. And from that, I have answers. Um, no, so I'm, I like to ask people, what about existence? What about your life uh, still leads you here? What's your top non-musical influence? Um, uh, it's either my daughter mm. or, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I got five. <laughs> it's either my daughter or just waking up every morning. Yeah. <laughs> I have a new appreciation for just simply waking up and having the chance to share things with people, right? Be, be it musical or not. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I that's too deep of a question for me right now. Like, I need to need to ponder that for a minute. Well, I can ask you the next one, and we can come back to okay. it. Name one thing you would go back and change if you could. You come on this podcast, we're going to ask you about regret, son. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! To be honest, I don't know that there's anything. If I'm being really, really honest with you, like I, as a matter of fact, not to sound whatever, I was thinking about this the other day. If I were to die tomorrow, I've lived a really good life. You know, like I've struggled. Uh, you know, I've there's been many years of my life I couldn't, you know, didn't know where my next meal was coming from, couldn't afford this, couldn't afford that. You know, hiding my car so it doesn't get repoed, like all those <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it all led to this moment. It all led to, you know, I'm making a decent living, doing the things I love. I have a beautiful daughter, a beautiful fiance. We live in a pretty decent house. You know, I got, you know, not that it's a materialistic thing, but like the fact that I'm able to provide doing the things that I do all came from everything that I've done in my life that, you know, whether they're musical or not. So I really don't regret anything, but if I had to pick one, you ain't going to like this one. (laughs) That we would have went through with AGT. Oh, okay. No, I I mean, I expect that. Yeah. What's AGT? Give me context. America's Got Talent. Oh. That's a whole other can of worms. Oh. Oh, fair enough. That contract. Yeah. He's not. He's not the only member of classic music that agrees with that. Yeah. Lots of and just out of curiosity, not yeah, not yeah, because yeah. I just wanted to, because it was such a spectacle. But I didn't, yeah. But anyway, 
That's a story for another day, right? It is. It's a long Maybe. story. We were on AGT. We made the apparently the top 100. We got an AGT Wikipedia or something. Yeah. And somebody tried to figure it out. And they didn't know. Yeah. Just to let you know, whoever write, writes those things, they don't always figure it out. They the right do way. not. Oh, man. What's next? Your top, top non-musical non influence. Oh, we're already back Harmony to Boy. Some of that. Give me some of that high fives. We're already back to it. Was that a fourth or a fifth? I couldn't hear. Everyone. What was it? It was like a half. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't really. It was real close. It was really close. It was pretty close. It sounded robotic to me. It was like a semitone. <laughs> oh, I got a semitone. Really? I couldn't really hear it. We'll, we'll, we'll replay. We'll do replay. We'll see you later. We'll do replay. See that later. If it's got to be a person, no, no it could be it anything. Could, it could be your car. Uh, that's not it. No, <laughs> 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 I do love my van, but other than that, um, I don't know, man. It's just, just the 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 the, the drive, like the the journey, the journey. Yeah, and like trying to figure it's this a great thing, answer. Yeah, just trying to figure this thing out, man. And like again. As I'm approaching 40, like I'm starting to think about things like retirement and like, you know, all the things that people that went through the normal job life is going to have that I'm not going to have. And how am I going to get that? Like, I enjoy that uncertainty and how am I going to overcome it? Mm. You know what I mean? Or how am I going to achieve it? I mean, you know, like me and you are very similar in the fact that if you give us a challenge, we're going to go through with that challenge, like one way or the other, you know? And so that's it. It's just a challenge. I don't know what to call that thing. There's probably a psychological term. I call it, I think of it as the underdog effect Mm -hmm. and I've become so attached to it. I've actually had disputes with Leilani over the years because I, I will naturally put myself in that position oh, yeah, me too. to get people to expect less. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, it's a survival technique. Something weird. And you might, as a behavioralist, you could tell that I've always enjoyed it. And the good part is I've learned a lot of things, yep. uh, how to thrive, how to survive, just like you. Um, <laughs> bad part is when I get to a certain level, I'm very content with that level because I never set the heights higher. Yeah. And it's not always bad, but sometimes it, it is bad. But um I just love the fight, and I love proving people wrong. Um, Several years ago, uh, I told some people that I was going to open a shaved ice business, (laughs) and everybody kind of laughed. Did you? I did. Where is it tonight? Uh, We weren't sponsored by it. So listen. He sold it. I sold it. I I started it. I ran it for four years. It was semi-successful i had a standalone location and a mobile location and i sold the whole business um and came out on top and yeah and everybody kind of was like from that that was the moment that like especially my fiance ashley that was one of the moments that she was like oh like when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Just like he, he's going to make it happen one way or the other. And, and it's like Jeremy said, the underdog thing. Like I kind of enjoy the, all right, watch me. Like I'm going to do it. You know, same thing happened when we moved to Vegas. You know, mm-hmm. my parents were like, this is a terrible idea. You need to stay home. Like dad was pissed. Mom was like, you just need to go get you a job at the factory. Like this, that, and the other. And I'm like, Oh no. Like, I'm going mm-hmm. and you know, good, bad or ugly, like 
let's see what happens, you know, and it, it worked out. And, you know, just literally in the past four years, probably the people that are closest to me have kind of learned to leave me alone and like, just let me do my thing, mm. you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm 38, about 30, almost 39. So that's 34 years of me doing this or things like that, that I've, it's taken me to prove that, I got this. I got this. I got this. Like, calm down. You know what I mean? Like, and if I don't, I know where to go to get help. I'm not afraid to get help, you know, those kinds of things. So I love that. Yeah. So, um, before we end, I -hmm. I would like to hear a funny Andy and Jeremy story. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, did man. you did y'all plan this? No, no. Because no. I, I was adamant on our first season to not have too many people that were close. You were adamant. Were. I'm still kind of adamant. This is. And you're gonna call this guy? Okay, hmm. Lord. This is this is. Dude, I don't know. I don't know where you want me to go with that one. Well, we've kept it uh, not explicit right now. So if you want to go explicit, we'll just put that e at the end. <laughs> I'm just no, don't a, do that. There's been a couple. Let's see. Let's see. Funny Andy and Jeremy story. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, don't, no, I, I don't know if I want to answer any of this because they're all going to go so south that, like, cancel culture is going to come after us and it's going to be bad. <laughs> Leave those details out. Yeah. I mean, what would and you then tell ca- cancel culture they're not canceling anything. Know, it's right? still happening. You just, <laughs> yeah. like, you just, it you, happened. Yeah. We can't go back and change it. Like, and it's still it's going to happen. The yeah. more you do it, the more people who are anti-cancel <laughs> culture are going to do what they want to do. All right. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a cheeky one, right? Like a, like a cheesy, funny one that had me and him both literally crying. And y'all might think it's the most stupid thing ever. Nope. So when we were in Vegas, uh, you know, Jeremy was playing guitar in a band. I was playing bass. And we used to have this thing where we would go. Jeremy was a tone chaser at the time, right? And meaning he wanted. <laughs> I know what this is. <laughs> he, wanted, uh, he wanted the dopest amp, the dopest pedals it, I, with his $250 guitar. And Can I interject real quick? Interject. Um I don't. I don't like talking about tone or anything. No. <laughs> I the, when, so the, this guitar thing. I really enjoyed it. I don't really like playing the guitar. Uh, He's I, great at. I like. The, I, I like. Oh, yeah. I like when people have guitars and play guitars. Um, they're always. I've always thought of them as a little bit different. When I went to play it, I wanted to approach it completely different than the way I approach drums. I think there are some mistakes in the way that I approach drums for my longevity and, and trajectory, and and one of which is that. I didn't always just allow myself to be myself. I was watching too many people and trying to do what they did. So in this event, and One Hell Seeker did really well oh, yeah. to be in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, probably better than I even remember. But I wanted to approach it only that way. Only with the music knowledge that I had and wanted to just make things sound good and feel good. And in that, I learned about all these little boxes you could buy to change the sound of your guitar. <laughs> Fell in love and went crazy. Go ahead. Okay, so... So he had great tone, by the way. He used to get the the pedal bo- the pedal board uh, gazers at the gigs. He had this monstrosity thing for his ukulele for yeah, yeah, yeah. gig, and I loved it. And no, dude, I used was- to get mad. <laughs> I used to get mad because people because I had pretty good bass tone, and people would come over and look at his pedal board 
<laughs> and I'm like, guys, like I got one over here too. <laughs> like y'all come check me out. Anyway, so we used to do this thing where we'd ride around to all the guitar shops in Vegas and check out pedals and amps and you know this, that, and the other. So this one faithful day, <laughs> we're riding around and we go to like probably six, seven, eight stores, right? And looking at nothing but pedals. Great spots. Great day. spots. Great spots. And so so when you look at pedals. Priorities. <laughs> you're staring at your feet the whole time. Yeah. Right? Like you're hitting the pedals and you're looking at your feet. So me and Jeremy, we're in this, <laughs> these stores. And we're like, yeah, man, hit that one again. Yeah, okay. Oh, let's go to this one. Okay, right on, right on. Go to the next store. Oh, check this one out. Cool. All right. Check it. Okay, right. Next door. Next door. We get home. Right? We walk in the kitchen and I look at his feet and I'm like. Jeremy, look at your feet. And he's like, what's wrong? Looks down, two totally different shoes on. <laughs> All day. All day. Like, I'm not I'm not talking like he had a white Reebok and a white Nike. No, I'm talking like a lime green Reebok and like something, like a pair of ice creams on the other foot. Like, it was probably ice cream. Yeah, it was probably ice creams. And so we had been staring at his feet all day day like i'm talking eight hours and neither one of us he said did you know your shoes yeah different? <laughs> and, and, and jeremy's just kind of he's like focused on those pedals <laughs> that tone and that was i mean dude we died laughing yeah if, if you would have been there oh god it's so funny but then the rest of the stories are way too dirty for this i love what? it well we can talk about that post post show i'll enjoy post show let's have a third i know well <laughs> Uh, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. Beat Thanks Cruise for having Buddies, me, man. man. You want to uh, set up the song you want us to play at the end? I don't think I sent you one. You didn't, but you can tell me if you if you you're just gonna send me one and I'll play it. Uh, well, I mean, if not, I'll cut this. Yeah, let's cut all this. Okay. I mean, I don't know what to send you. I mean, I can send you the one loud stuff that I'm playing bass on. I don't have any of my stuff recorded. Um, you know, there's the plastic music stuff. There's the SAD stuff. <laughs> you mentioned Secret Acoustic Duo earlier. Yeah. It's called Secret because it's meant to be a secret. One of our YouTube videos never got a, a dislike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's thousands of thousands, likes. thousands of yeah. views. Uh, oh, leaving Appalachia. Leaving Appalachia in oh. driftwood. <laughs> well, then let me finish <laughs> off, ladies and gentlemen. Annie Burnett. This is episode four of Beats, Bruising Buddies. You guys have a good night.